welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Glad you guys could be here. Hey, it's episode number 99. That's crazy. We are almost the triple digits. Next week, we'll be hitting that 100th episode. I hope you guys can join me. It's going to be an excellent one. And speaking of, be sure you click that subscribe or that follow button. New episodes come out every single Wednesday morning, and you're going to want to check them out. You can also follow me on Instagram at speakadogcast. And of course, guys, if you love what you're hearing, if you think the podcast is great, help me out. Click that five-star rating. Leave me a great review. I'd love to hear what you're thinking. Uh, I've already appreciated a lot of the reviews. Thank you guys so much for leaving those, all the messages. It's really been wonderful. I've really been so appreciative of you guys being a part of this process and growing the podcast. And hey, all the exciting things we're going to have coming your way. So it only helps us grow. Help me out by leaving that five-star rating. Now, today on the show, we have how to train your dragon. I I mean dog. I keep doing that. I mean your dog. (laughs) Some of you probably feel like you have a dragon on your leash, but no, it's a dog. (laughs) We're going to talk about what it takes to make a good dog, what you have to do to get there, how we train our dogs. Then we're going to talk about feeding time. Definitely some things you may have not considered. Some of the basic stuff too, about maybe what we're feeding our dogs, also how we feed our dogs. And then of course, some of the severe issues that go along with feeding sometimes as well. Hopefully not for most of you. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. If you have questions for the listener Q&A, keep them coming. Send them my way. Email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to message me on social media as well. Now, before we get going with the show today, got to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, What is the most common dog breed as a college mascot? Yes, what is the most common dog breed used as a college mascot? I'll give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dog Cast, how to train your dragon. I I mean dog. Dragon training. Of course, we're not talking about training dragons. Maybe sometimes some of you out there feel like your dogs act a little more like dragons than dogs. <laughs> uh, but no, we're talking about how to train your dog. And you know, I wish there was just a book I could give you. Just this magical book that you could just read and it would solve all your dog problems and everything would be perfect and all would be well. And maybe some TV shows make us think that it's that easy, don't they? But it's it's not necessarily that easy. I mean, you know, sure. Sometimes you get a dog you just click with, right? Over the years, I've definitely had client dogs where some of them just gel with you, you know? They melt for you like butter. The relationship is easy to establish and grow. And the dog, for lack of a better way to put it, just gets it, you know? (laughs) They just get it with you, and it's awesome. And that training experience is phenomenal. And maybe some others, not so much. (laughs) They're a little tougher, a little more of an uphill battle. At the same time, I love and appreciate those clients to some degree, right? Uh, But but you you get it. It's not just this like one size fits all kind of thing to be able to train dogs. And you know, there's a lot of trainers that they'll read where, well, we cater our services specifically to each dog. I, I admit some of my website material even says that because it's true. It's true, you, you can't treat every dog the same. And as a matter of fact, if you have a trainer who does treat every dog the same, they're going to hit a wall at some point and not get success. And, and of course, we all, we all do that, uh, but more often than, than they should, you know? Because the reality is you cannot have this one box, one size fits all that every dog is going to fit into. 
Like I said, sure, some dogs are just going to be great. But what, what if you've got like a traumatized dog? What if you have a traumatized case? What if you have a rescue? What if you have a lot of these things where there's baggage that comes along with it that, I'm sorry, just these, you know, a dog training book or anything, like that, it's not going to be that simple of a solution. Sure, it might help. But is it going to solve it? I don't know. Maybe, but not for every dog, right? You get what I'm saying here. I mean, like even, even my podcast, uh, I'll be, I, look, I'm, I'm so, it was, it's been, it's been wonderful to do the podcast and have all of every, you know, all of my listeners, everybody listening, just thank you guys again. I mean, I really have to thank you for listening and the people that have reached out to me, you know, that have reached out through, through social media or through email. And we've talked about their successes uh, with their dogs and, and the information they've taken from the podcast. And it's amazing. It's people all around the world. Like that is just, that's like the coolest thing to me. <laughs> it's crazy. But you can get success from the podcast and it's amazing the information you can get from something like a podcast or a book, but it's not going to be the solution for everybody, is it? You can't necessarily solve every single dog behavioral problem just by listening to one podcast. It's just not going to happen um, because training a dog, thats it can be this sort of different experience depending upon the dog, depending upon the owner. Most of the time, it's more the owner. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys already know that? No, I'm shocked. <laughs> oh, goodness. It really is, though. You know, it really is. And, and of course, there's cases that are, that are, that are like I said, are harder than, you know, like if you do get a well-meaning person who adopts a dog from a, from a rescue and the dog's got issues and the person just doesn't know what to do to fix that, like, that's a different story. Special, more specialized stuff. Uh, but training a dog. Okay, guys, how... How do you train your dog? <laughs> okay, so we're gonna run through kind of a checklist. We're gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I believe the knowledge you have to have, because you do, you have to have knowledge, uh, the way you apply that knowledge. And more than anything right now, I mean, I can tell you one of the secret sauces to how to train your dog is consistency. You have to be consistent with your training, with your information, with the time you put in. Consistency sort of means more than just uh, doing it over and over, more than just repetition. Okay, so we got to talk about that a little more in depth. But consistency—that obvious word we always hear over and over with training—it's it's so true, guys. Like it's almost a cliche in training that oh, it takes consistency. Yeah, it does because that's just that it, it, repetition. It's what it takes. All right, so we'll talk more about consistency and. You know, I always say that, I tell my clients, look, your dog is your dog. You own that dog. You're the one that has to put up with that dog on a daily basis. You get to make the rules for your dog. I, I don't tell people what, you know, I mean, I'm, I don't tell you what the rules for your house should be. What I do tell you is what I believe what set of rules is going to get you the best success with your dog. Tell people, you want to let your dog do this? You want to let your dog, teach his own. You know, it's your dog. Um, but I'm going to tell you, behaviorally, what consequences might come with that, right? Because that is my job. I, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend like I own people's dogs for them, you know? So that, that's just it. So I'll tell you in right in this segment, what I think behaviorally rules wise, you should be setting up for your dog to gain the best behavioral and training success. Okay. So look, it always goes back to it. Here I go again. Oh my God, is this guy really, is David really going to say this again? You got to walk your dog, guys. That's where it starts. You want to train your dog? You got to walk your dog. You have to. It doesn't matter what behavioral issue that you are experiencing from a puppy through severe stuff, everything in between. It always starts with a proper walk. 
There's a right and a wrong way to do the walk. And when you start doing the walk the, uh, the walk the right way, it really can change your entire training experience. Look, the walk is not just about like exercise and peeing, right? The walk is about creating mental focus, mental stimulation, providing a job for your dog, it teaches your dog's consequences rules. It teaches your dog it has to follow you. It teaches your dog basic leash work. The walk can teach so many different pieces of information that are vital to your training that it absolutely cannot be ignored. This is why I stress it episode after episode, segment after segment. I hammer it in your head so you hear me in your sleep saying, walk your dog. <laughs> because it is just simply put, it is that important. It is that important. And if you are not emphasizing the walk as the focal point of your training, you're doing something wrong. It's that simple. I can't, I cannot say it any other way. You're doing something wrong. Okay. There are a lot of different methods and means and techniques to train dogs, guys. There really are. And I'm, I'm the first to admit that my way is not the end all be all way. It's not, it's just not. First of all, besides, I'm not going, every, every single person I come across and I work with is not going to like me. It's, it's just that simple. That's the way the world turns. So just for that fact alone, I'm not for everybody, right? Okay. So I'm not the end all be all here, but what I will tell you, what I can hundred percent certainty tell you in all my years of experience is the walk is the walk is the end all be all to training. If you are not doing it, you cannot do anything else. It's just, I'm sorry. I've been doing this too long to know that. Okay. So techniques and, and, and different training styles aside, if the walk is not an emphasis, it is a problem. Okay. Have I hounded on this enough? Ooh, hound, get it. Wolf. All right. <laughs> I, I use that. I come back to that one every now and then. That's a fun one. Um, so that's just it guys, the walk. We're not going to get into the how of the walk because there's plenty of segments to go back on. And you know what? Coming up soon, we're going to revisit the walk. Why? Because well, I don't know, maybe it's important or something. Uh, <laughs> so we'll come back soon and revisit that, but please go back and check out previous episodes of how to properly walk your dog because it's so vital to your training success. All right. Daily walks. That's what it's got to be. So how do you train your dog? Daily walks, daily walks and mental stimulation with that walk. Okay. So obviously basic leash work, that's a part of it. Um, and then let's talk about commands. How do we train our dogs? Everybody goes to the commands first and foremost, don't we? Because if your dog doesn't know a sit and a lie down and a stay and a paw, is your dog really trained? <laughs> I mean, I think they can be, but I, I use, I use commands. I'll, you know, I do, but to me, they're a training tool. They're not a training crutch. And most people try to use them as a training crutch. And maybe that's why they don't get the result they're looking for. Okay. You have to use treats when we're training commands, guys. I am just, you do. It's not that you, it's not that you can't train a dog to sit without, but in my opinion, you should always be using some form of primary reinforcement to encourage and reinforce and strengthen good behaviors especially when you're at the beginning of your training, okay? So when you're starting off your training experience with your dog, you have to be using food, guys. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Affection too, sure. But we have to have our treats and our treat pouches on. Now, I do believe there are some core commands, like a core set of commands that you should be teaching your dog, okay? I do think that it is vital for success in training in different uh, environments and circumstances that you have a good, you know, back pocket of commands that you can always rely on, always go to, and that are very, that are strengthened. You know, you have strength, you've, you've worked on this. So let's just run through. It's a sit, it's a stay, a lie down, a leave it, 
right? Leave it commands mean, means leave it alone, whatever it might be, leave it alone, whether that's ignore it and don't pay attention, attention to it, uh, don't lunge at it, hey, maybe don't pick that up in your mouth, leave it alone, leave it, and a drop it. And obviously a drop it command is gonna be drop it out of their mouth. That's kind of the five core basic, but it goes a little further than that, it does. Like I say that's the core because it is, but it goes a little further. I do believe your dog should also have a release command. So if I ask my dog to sit and stay, they should continue to do so until I release them. If I tell them to leave it, they should leave it until I release them. Uh, if I put them in a sit and stay and for a feeding time, uh, and funny enough, we're gonna be talking about feeding time as our next segment today, uh, they should continue to do so until I release them. Getting them out of the crate, I should be able to open the door to the crate, leash them up nicely, or just let them out either way. Open the door, they wait, they stay nicely. I release them. My release word is all right. A lot of people use okay. Uh, whatever you want it to be, a release word is crucial, guys. Crucial. Okay, uh, now we're up, that's six commands. Let's get to number seven. Okay, there's a lot. There's a lot of good commands we need to be, this is, look, this is what it takes to train your dog. In my opinion, this is what makes a well-rounded, trained dog, okay? It's a lot of work, isn't it? Yep, uh, command number seven is going to be your spot command. Go to your spot, go to your place, go lie down on your dog bed, go lie down. Uh, that's what a lot of people will say. Fantastic command to have. You gotta have that one so if your dog, number one, talked about it before, if you wanna greet people at the front door, uh, having a spot command is going to help immensely. Number two, you guys are eating, you're relaxing on the couch, you're doing things where maybe it's not time for your dog to be involved, but your dog wants to be involved. You can tell them to go lay down, go to their spot. Another helpful command, guys, okay? Uh, go on. How about go on? That kind of goes along with the same thought process there a little bit. Uh, go on means leave me alone. <laughs> your puppy should know, your dog should know Sometimes we don't need to be up in each other's space. Go on. Okay, it just kind of means give me some space, back off. Not a big deal. Okay, these are crucial commands that are so helpful to your training and that can really help in a variety of different circumstances, okay? So it's important that your dog learns these, understands these, and you use treats to train them, okay? Uh, you know, people ask how should you train these basic commands? I've talked about it before, but let me give you the nutshell version. For a sit, we like to take the treat Again, well, first and foremost, guys, when we are training and working commands, leash your dog up. Do you hear me? Leash your dog up, please, please, please. Okay, so we're gonna leash our dog up, right? Uh, and then we're going to ask for a sit, and we're gonna take the treat and rise it above their nose, trying to pull them back into a sit. Easy enough, give them the treat once they sit. Lie down, gonna be the same motion. I like to put a dog into a sit first before I teach the lie down, put them into a sit, then teach them to lie down. Cause it's a little harder for them to go from standing on all fours to a straight lie down versus the sit to the lie down. Now, bring the treat to the ground. Think logically when you're training this stuff. What am I trying to get my dog physically to do? How can I get this food to work for me? Maybe I can put a little tension on the collar to guide them into a lie down a little bit. Start thinking the ways you can utilize your training tools to help train your dog, okay? I don't wanna go into commands too much today, but I just kinda wanted to gloss that surface of how we create that, right? Okay, so we've talked about the walk a little bit. Now we've talked about commands. These are two very important training tools for having a well-rounded trained dog, guys. So important. Let's dive into the consistency and repetition because people often ask, how often should I be training my dog? When should I be training my dog? The thing is with the how often, you know, that, that part of it, how often? Here's the thing with how often. Behavior doesn't take a timeout. <laughs> Behavior doesn't go on vacation. Behavior never, ever stops. 
Behavior is constantly happening all around us all the time. Things are constantly being reinforced or punished, strengthened or weakened, right? Behavior is always experiencing that in some form or another. For example, right now you're listening to my podcast and you're either deciding in this moment you like me or you don't, (laughs) right? You can either decide in this moment you like what you're hearing or you don't like what you're hearing. Now, I really hope you like what you're hearing, (laughs) okay? And if that is the case, then I'm reinforcing that fact. I'm reinforcing you liking this podcast and therefore you're more likely to click in, click subscribe and tune in again. And hey, if you really love what you're hearing, you're gonna give me that five-star rating right now. Did you hear me, guys? Give me that five-star rating, click it right now. Uh, Shameless plug. (laughs) All right, so... That's reinforcement. It's increasing. You, the beha- you, can, you are continuing to listen to my podcast, therefore the behavior is increasing, therefore it's being reinforced. Right? Other side of the coin. What if you don't like what you're hearing? What if you don't like my podcast? What if you hate the sound of my voice? Then you're going to tune out. <laughs> you're not going to listen anymore. I really hope that's all you do and you don't do anything further than that. But, you know, that's the, that's the reality of it. And therefore I'm punishing it and weakening it and they're less likely to come back and listen to the podcast. Punishment, by definition. This stuff is always happening, whether you understand and recognize it or not. And so that's just it. Come around about full circle here. Training never stops. Ever. Ever, to some degree. Behavior never really takes a break. Can you train a dog to a point that you don't have to consistently train? Yes, but you're still going to be walking your dog every single day. You heard me. Dogs are a commitment, guys, a responsibility. I know it's a shocker to my listeners. Probably not to most of you. I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Okay. So that's the thing. Behavior doesn't just ever turn off. But if you have these tools in your pocket, if you have these commands ready to go, if you have leash work under control, if your dog knows how to listen and focus because you've worked on the walk and leash work then you really don't have anything to worry about. You don't have to constantly be on top of your dog. But think of the people, I want you to take a moment, step back, and think of the friends, (laughs) this could get me in trouble. Think of the (laughs) think of the friends and family in your life that have dogs. Seriously. How are those dogs behaviorally? Think of the ones that are well-behaved. Think of the ones that are not so well-behaved. The ones that are well-behaved, are their owners consistent? Did they put in time? Did they put in training? Did they hire somebody to help with that training? Did they listen to a podcast, read a book? Did they research and actively, consistently attempt to make their dog's behavior better? And did it work? Most likely, yes, to some degree. Now let's look at the dogs that are bad. Did the owners actually train the dogs? Were they ever consistent? Did they research any information? Did they hire anybody? Did they they buy the proper tools? Bet you already know the answer to that, don't you? <laughs> you see what I'm getting at here? That consistency, right? All right, so <laughs> how do we train our dog? Guys, training takes time, consistency, repetition, knowledge, understanding, and having the right tools. It's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. Look, I have clients that go, David, how do I fix this one behavior? How do I fix this one thing? It's this one thing in particular that's really bugging me. And I have to go, well, we got to start way, we got to hit rewind. And we have to start way back here. 
your behavior problem is way over here to the right. And in order to fix it, we got to go way over here to the left to make our way back to the right. See what I'm saying? Like on a linear line of behavior, like it's kind of how it starts. We have to go backwards in order to move forwards. And people don't like to hear that. <laughs> they don't like to hear that we have to hit behavioral problems from 10 different angles to solve one behavioral problem. We have to do like 50 different things to solve one behavioral problem. It should just be this magic fix. Now, it's time, consistency, knowledge, understanding the walk, uh, you know, all the things. Come on, right? You got to get with me on this. You got to get on the same page with me on this because if you want to train your dog, this is what it takes. Now, the other side of it, guys, the knowledge. We hadn't really talked about the knowledge side. Do you know what a treat is? Do you know what a leash is? Do you know what a crate is? Do you know what a dog bed is? Yeah, David, it's a dog bed. It's a treat. No, it's not. It's not that simple. It's not. And we like to think it is. And that's, it's not. A treat is not just food. A treat is not just a reward. A treat is a form of positive reinforcement. What's positive reinforcement? Well, it's the addition of a stimulus to increase a targeted behavior. Well, David, what does that mean? Well, what's negative reinforcement? Negative reinforcement, the dry stuff, the boring stuff. Some people find it fascinating. Not everybody's into psychology. I get it. I do. I'm not really into to like math. That's not my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> I, I like spatially. It's funny. My wife and I were talking. I can do spatial geometry. I can do algebra. Like there's certain things I can do in math. And uh, I mean, I can probably do a lot of the harder stuff. I just don't like it. And therefore I'm not, you know, it's part, probably part of the reason I'm not good at it because, because I resist, right? I hate it, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe we're all a lot more capable than we get our, give ourselves credit for, but our own stupid human emotions well, they get in the way, don't they? Even if it's something as simple as hating math. <laughs> anyway, so I understand that some of the psychology side of it, it's not the most fun always. It's not. It's really not. But you gotta, you have to, you gotta go back to school for a minute. You know, you just gotta bear with me and go back to school. And we have to learn some vocabulary. We have to learn some definitions. We have to gain some understanding of the concepts of psychology. Because I'm telling you guys, I'm here to tell you, my clients in the past that understand this stuff, when I quiz them, can give me the definitions. When, when we talk about the concepts, they, can, they clearly you know, are, are conversing back and they have an understanding of it. It's obvious. Those are the people that train their dogs the best. I know, wow, mind blown, right? Having an understanding creates success. Weird. <laughs> But it's crazy to me. It is how many people take the information I give them and put it in a drawer and don't pull it out again. And I can't stress it. I'm like, guys, you got, how do you know how to train your dog without knowing what training your dog is? Without knowing what reinforcement is, punishment is, a treat, a lead, again, all these things. It's so important. It's so vital to success with your pet. It really is. I promise you guys, if you guys go back and really hone in on my segments on Psychology 101, the concepts of positive and negative reinforcement and punishment, you really hone in on this stuff, it can change and elevate your training like you wouldn't believe. It's what did it for myself. Like, that's just it. I, I admit it. I was ignorant at one time. I did not understand this information and I was training dogs wrong. I was, I wasn't using food. I wasn't understand, uh, understanding what rewards really were and the concept of it because I didn't want to have to rely on a treat. You know, <laughs> um, And I agree, I still agree with that philosophy to some degree. I don't want to have to rely on the treat. 
But what's wrong with utilizing the treat as a training tool? Nothing if utilized properly. Huh. So I can't stress it enough. You've got to have some basic understanding of psychology 101. Nothing crazy, nothing too complicated. You know, the, the vocabulary words I give my clients, it's four words. Four sh- very short definitions. That's it. It's not much, but it's very important. Okay, it's that core work. So how do you train your dog, guys? Always starts with a walk. Got to say it again. Always starts with a proper walk. Okay, it's definitely going to, we definitely have to have some commands. Commands are a great tool to utilize, but not to rely on, right? We don't want them to be a crutch. Uh, It's something we want to be able to use when we need it. Different commands we have, the sit, the stay, the lie down, the drop it, the leave it, the go on, uh, the release word, right? Releasing our dogs and a spot, place, or go lie down command. Go to your dog bed command. Very important stuff that can really be helpful to creating success with your dog. Um, And we also have other things like the knowledge, the understanding, the consistency. We need to be walking our dogs daily. Of course, depending upon the breed size, how often that's going to be a little different. You also want to check out my past segments on the walk as well. Make sure you really know how to create a proper good quality walk. One more thing we hadn't talked about, boundaries. Boundaries and rules are so important. So very, very important. We have to have good quality boundaries and good quality rules because with, because without them, well, our dogs don't have any boundaries and rules and then it's a free for all, right? <laughs> Don't be afraid to tell your dog no. Don't be afraid to utilize some collar corrections. Do not be afraid to give your dog nip corrections with your fingers, mimicking how they naturally nip each other. Nothing crazy, guys. We're not talking anything too intense. We always want to try to use the most light correction possible to gain the result we're looking for and redirect behavior. Okay? Very important. Very, very important. But don't be afraid to tell your dog no. Providing a boundary is a natural and normal response in the animal world, including ourselves, okay? There's rules when I drive down the road. There's rules in how we interact with society. There's rules all around us, guys, and it's how we create stability and civility, and it's no different with your dog. Don't be afraid to put some boundaries in place. Very important in training your dog. So I know there's a lot of info, right? I could even go on even further, but this is really kind of the basic stuff on on how we create quality behavior and how we train our dogs cohesively so that they're happy and you're happy. Happy dog, happy owner. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Speak a dog cast feeding time. It's feeding time for your dogs. 
And I'm here to tell you, there's definitely a right and a wrong way to feed your dog, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> no, there's just, look, there's some right ways about feeding your dog, things you should be doing, maybe shouldn't be doing. Uh, and there's definitely tips on things that can help with your dog. If you know, maybe your dog's a fast eater, a slow eater, uh, maybe your dog's a grazer, a picker, we can solve a lot of these problems, okay? And it starts with thinking about feeding from the perspective of training. Now, first and foremost, guys, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm not a nutritionist. We're going to talk a little bit about this today, but I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a vet. And you'll even discover most veterinarians will flat out admit they're not nutritionists either, unless they are. And of course, they're going to rely on a lot of uh, research, reputable research, as far as what dog foods they're going to recommend and uh, tell people that they should get with their dogs. So veterinarians have access to a lot of this research as doctors, right? As doctors for dogs, and they get to see a lot of this. And I will say there are a few brands that are more researched than others. Um, and uh, Royal Canin is one of them. And uh, Science Diet is another. And even Purina Pro Plan. You'll, you'll discover that those three brands are going to be found at your veterinarian's office very often. You know, I'm sure some of you are there, I don't see those. I'm sure you see the science diet like that's like that's definitely there. Uh, so, you know, most of your vets are going to carry one, if not all three of these brands. That's just what it is. And they're, again, the reason why is they're the most researched and they usually get their research, if I'm not mistaken, these brands are getting their research from unbiased third party companies that really do have no vested interest um, in making these guys look good. So they actually take the research and really try to put it into play in, into the way they make their dog foods. With that said, I'm not saying every other dog food on the market is terrible, and I'm not saying even those are the best, because again, I am not a nutritionist. <laughs> what I am telling you is those are researched a lot. They're, they're very well-researched brands, and a lot of veterinarians are going to agree, and that's why they tend to carry those brands. That's all I'm saying. So I'm not going to recommend you which food you should or shouldn't feed your dog here today. That's not what this segment is about, okay? Um... But I will say there is a lot of crap out there too. <laughs> Do be careful, guys. Some read some ingredients. There are basic things you can take away without being an expert on nutrition for dogs. Things like if the first ingredients are corn, probably not your best food that you should be feeding your dogs. Uh, at the same time, my parents fed their dogs, uh, you know, not, it wasn't terrible food. And they, well, they fed a good, you know, look, most, most vets would also be happy if you fed a wet food and a dry food combo. A lot of dogs can get away with uh, just the dry food. My parents fed our dog who lived to be 17 years, not the most expensive boutique food in the world. And she was on that same food forever and she did great, you know? So yeah, uh, but we're not here to talk about that. So <laughs> point is, guys, do your research, read a label, read a label and see what's actually going into that dog food. There should be some good quality protein in there, and the protein should make up a good majority of the dog's food, okay? Um, but these starches and things like that are a lot of filler. It's a lot of filler that is designed to, well, just that, fill in all the missing places of where there should be nutrition, okay? So there are a lot of good foods. There are a lot of bad foods. I recommend you do your research, talk with your veterinarian and go from there. Right? So that's as far as like selecting food. That's really what I'm going to say about that. Now, I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to. The majority of your dog's diet should not be human food. Did I say it? Yes, I did. The majority of your dog's diet should not be pieces of lunch meat, should not be cheese, should not be cottage cheese, should not even be yogurt, in my opinion. That's not what the majority 
of your dog's diet should make up. Okay, it should be a fortified food, whether that's wet food, it should be a food designed for your dog. Okay, um, so this people food thing is just, it's, it's, I, I don't, look, I don't, I just, I'm just gonna tell you my opinion. Here it is. I don't agree with people feeding their dogs so much people food. I just don't. It's not good for them. Half the food we eat is not good for us. Can you imagine what it's doing for them? And I love the excuse. Well, I just give them a little piece. How many little pieces are you giving in a day? If you're giving 35 little pieces in a day, that's not little anymore. You can take the word little out of it, okay? That's a lot of food, especially if your dog is not a 300, 300 pound. Did I really just say that? Especially if, <laughs> especially if your dog is not like 100, 150 pounds, their stomach is not very big, guys. Their nutritional need is not that big. And so when you start feeding them all their kibble and all this people food, it's just not good for them. Look, ask yourself a question. What does your dog's poop look like? Seriously, is it loose all the time? Is it not solid? Do they have diarrhea often? You know, look, when I used to work at, uh, at animal shows, <laughs> it, was always, it was a very big concern. It's something we're always looking for, the quality, yes, of the animal's poops. Absolutely. It tells you a lot about that. And so the dog, the dog poop used to get, we, we would, you know, we had kind of had our own rating system, if you will. And Hey, well, what is, it's a little loose. Well, what's a little loose? Is it pudding? Is it soft serve? <laughs> what are we talking here? Uh, look at animal people. You got to be a little honest about this stuff sometimes, right? Um, so you need to be aware of what your dog's poop looks like. And if it's not looking solid, vast majority of the time, guys, think about what you're feeding your dog, because I can tell you right off the bat right now, if your dog's poop is loose most of the time and you feed your dog people food every single day, I know what the problem is. I can tell you. We shouldn't be feeding our dogs ground beef. We shouldn't be feeding our dogs all of this crap that I watch my clients feed day after day and go, I don't know why your dog's loose poops. The vet the vet tells you can't fix it. I'm like, well, you're telling, are you telling your vet you're feeding them all this people food? Um, so I'm not like trying to go off on this tangent on people food with dogs, but guys, it's feed it. It's so important you feed your dogs healthy food. Like, do you want, are, are you going to go out and eat McDonald's every day? I really hope not. I do. I really hope you don't do that. It's not healthy and it's not okay. And when you start feeding your dog all this crap on a daily basis, that's essentially what you're doing. You're feeding them processed junk day after day and it's going to catch up with them. All right. I, again, I, I'm not trying to throw my grandmother under the bus again, but, but she didn't feed her dog dog food. And her dog had all kinds of health problems, guys, all kinds of health problems. So this was years and years ago was when I was a kid, you know, but man, you know, we got to stop feeding our dogs junk guys. We really do. And that really starts with eliminating the people food. Now you can hear people scream, David, it's a dog. Guys, do you want your dog to be healthy or not? It's that simple. This isn't an emotional thing. This is very black and white. Do you want your dog to have health problems? Do you want your dog's stomach to hurt all the time? Like, I don't truly believe you want, well, David, he likes it. Of course he likes it. He's a dog. They're supposed to eat anything that gets put in front of them. And if they don't, that's a problem. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes too. <laughs> Okay, so guys, just stop feeding your dog so much people food. A little piece here of cheese, a little piece there, maybe a peanut, little peanut butter dab now and then every blue moon. A little tiny piece of bacon every once in a blue moon. I'm talking every couple months, maybe one tiny little itty bitty piece. You want to feed your dog pieces of fruit, carrots, veggies, things that are not too much fruit. There's sugar in that, right? Um, these things are okay. 
in moderation still. Mm-hmm. Right, even the fruit still in moderation to feed it. All right, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to keep harping on this, but I really believe that you shouldn't really be feeding your dogs people food ever, if not just not very often. It's that simple, guys. Okay. All right. So moving on, let's talk about the anxiety in eating with dogs. This is an interesting one because I see it all the time. Free feeding our dogs. Big no-no, guys. Big no-no. We should not be free feeding our dogs. You should not be leaving a bowl of food down all day for your dog to eat. If your dog doesn't eat within three to five minutes of the food getting put down, it needs to disappear and not come back again until the very next meal. Okay, however many meals you feed your dog a day, personally, I think twice a day is ideal. That's what you should be doing, ideal, twice a day, okay? Because the reality is I see it. I see anxious dogs and eating issues go hand in hand all the time. And here's why. It goes back to instinct. Think about it this way, guys. First of all, a dog is a predator, right? Predators should eat food anytime it's presented because, well, they had to work for it most likely. Food doesn't just plop itself in front of a predator. They can't just graze and find more grass or find berries to eat off a bush. I mean, sure, they, some, some dogs are around. Okay, uh, we're not talking about that. But, you know, going back to instinct, protein doesn't just present itself. So protein doesn't just sit there. So you better eat that protein while you got it. On top of that, guys, let's think about it from very way back in a wolf's perspective. If you're eating uh, your kill, you better eat fast because you don't know when a bigger predator is going to come in and take over. So number one, food is not always there, so you better eat it while you got it. And two, bigger predators, safety, hierarchy of needs, right? So if a dog does not eat all its food in one sitting, what does that tell you? What does the hierarchy of needs teach us? If food is not important anymore, safety is compromised, or at least that's what the animal thinks. And if safety is compromised, that's anxiety, isn't it? Especially if it's a dog living in a house, right? <laughs> it's not like a pre- bigger predator is coming to attack them inside the home. So that means there's anxiety issues. It's pretty black and white when you look at it from the right perspective. So one of the best ways to eliminate this anxiety is not allow them to practice it. Take the food away. Don't bring it back again till the next meal. What's the most common one I hear, guys? The dog will take one piece of kibble. It will take it, you know, 20 feet away from its bowl, find a place on the carpet, and it'll eat the one kibble there. And then it might come right back. Maybe it'll take a few minutes. How many of you out there, sound, how many of you out there does that sound familiar with? But if you take the option away, the reason they're doing it, guys, because you're allowing them to. The food sits there and it allows them to practice that anxious behavior. It conditions it, reinforces it, and strengthens it. And before you know it, your dog's going, this is what I do to survive. This is how I get my food. This is, okay, I can eat the piece over here and I'm, it's my safety safe. I'm good over here. <laughs> like, this is my safe zone. I'm all right here. It's not logical, is it? But a dog is a simplistic creature. It's just the truth, guys. It's just the truth. Okay? So... In order to eliminate that anxiety, take the food away if they don't eat it within three to five minutes. I promise you, within a few meals, they're going to realize, oh man, that food disappears. I better eat it. And sure enough, boom. Look, I've told you, the, I told you, the worst case I ever had was a dog who didn't eat for like five or six days. Yeah. I presented food twice a day to this dog. Throughout the entire day, I would try to offer treats while working with it. And it refused every speck of food I tried to feed it for six days. There was nothing medically wrong with this dog. Six days. And then wouldn't you know it, the seventh day comes around, I put the food down, and that dog wolfed down that food so fast. And you know what we never had a problem with again? 
eating. <laughs> Never again with that dog. Ever again. Seriously. We took away its, its ability to practice its anxiety. And it went, oh, boy, I'm hungry. I better eat. Dogs do not starve themselves to death unless there is something medically and physically wrong with them. It's that simple. They're not going to do it. But if you allow them to practice that anxiety and get just enough food, they're going to keep doing it. It's that simple. Provide boundaries and parameters, even something as simplistic as eating. This is why at the beginning of the, of the segment, I'm like, yeah, there's a right and a wrong way to feed a dog. There is. There is, believe it or not. Look, I can hear people out there, oh, David, my dog grazes. He doesn't have anxiety. He's fine. Sure. There's always exceptions to the rules, guys. There always are. But again, on the whole, the vast majority, no, it's not how it works. And they're not going to adjust to it okay. Goes against instinct. Look at how many people adjust better to their instincts versus some other people, right? It's just the truth, all right? So feeding time is, is important to do the correct way. Now, when I feed my dogs, we put everybody in a sit and stay. I go scoop out all their food. Then I come back and put all the bowls down and they sit and, and they continue sitting and staying and waiting until I release them. It goes back to that release word like we talked about. And all the dogs eat their own food. And when they're done, they leave the other bowls alone. And that's it. When everybody's done feeding, sometimes they'll all go over, sniff the other bowls, but that's it. And there's no problems. They can sniff the bowls together. That's really what you should create for your dog. A sit, a stay. They should be looking at you before you release them, not your food. And occasionally, right, sometimes I'll make them wait for 10 seconds. Sometimes I'll wait, make them wait for a minute. I change it up so that way we have control and we're controlling feeding time. We're controlling the bowl and we're working on and, uh, and, and that way they're looking at me for that guidance, okay? Now, another thing to do, and this is, look, this is, you got to be careful with this. If you have a puppy, that's one thing. Uh, but if you've adopted an older dog, you've got to ask the rescue some, some basic questions when it comes to feeding. Have they tested out this dog's aggression levels when it comes to feeding time? Have, has people tried to reach in and grab a bowl from them? Can other dogs walk by while they're eating? If you're adopting a dog that's not like a young puppy, these are very important things. And even if they are a puppy, you should still ask. Um, these are important things you should ask the rescue when getting a dog. Because it's important to know what you need to work on. And guys, this stuff can be, it can be dangerous. There's no other way to put it. If you have an aggressive, possessive, food-possessive dog, that can be a problem that cannot, that might not be the easiest thing to deal with. So I would highly recommend if you do have a dog that has these issues, please reach out to a professional. Please make sure you have the knowledge and understanding to be able to safely approach situations like that. Okay, we're not going to talk to, we're really not going to dive into that today because really it's very, it, it takes practice and it takes understanding how to create safe circumstances to teach that dog to give up on the bull. Okay, it's not that simple just over a podcast. <laughs> okay. So please take that into consideration. If you have a puppy that's aggressive, we can change that pretty fast. Um, but again, I still would recommend anytime we have an aggression or potential for biting, please get with a professional. So you guys are staying safe and training smart for that matter. Okay. So feeding time, there are so many things to think about with this, whether it's the food, the quality, the brand, all these things that go in. Oh my gosh, how many brands are there nowadays? How do you know? 
talk to your veterinarian, guys. Talk to a professional about your dog's uh, uh, health and nutrition. Very important stuff, okay? Then, of course, there's the anxiety that can potentially go with feeding time, and you gotta know how to eliminate that. Make sure you're setting your dog up for success. Remember, guys, three to five minutes, that food bowl disappears and doesn't come back again until the very next meal. You don't wanna withhold food from your dog, obviously. That's not what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. Instead, what we're trying to make them understand is they need to eat all their food in one sitting so that way they're comfortable, they get the nutrition they need, and everybody's happy, right? Uh, so make sure you're setting up those parameters and boundaries properly. Uh, then there's the whole yes, aggression thing, guys. We gotta be careful when it comes to feeding time. Make sure you know what your dog does. Don't wait for a bad moment to happen. You know, I, I didn't stress that enough. Please make sure you're smart out there and please make sure that you know what your dog does when somebody walks by their bowl. You know what happens when somebody tries to remove their bowl while they're eating. You know what happens when another, okay. These are important variables. You need to know what your dog does in those circumstances. And if you do have an aggression problem, please call a professional. Make sure you guys are being safe and smart out there. Uh, and let's make sure we have the knowledge and the understanding, knowledge is power as always, to be able to deal with these things safely. All right, so feeding time, not so easy, but if you set these parameters up in a black and white way, you'll have success with your dog. The answer to today's trivia question, what is the most common dog breed used as a college mascot? It's the bulldog. Yes, with their fierceness, tenacity, and muscly look, it's an obvious choice for any college to represent their teams. Next on Speak of Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about Harry Truman. Harry Truman was the 33rd president of the United States, serving from 1945 to 1953. Truman was vice president under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and once Roosevelt passed away, Truman took over the presidential office. Truman had two dogs that lived with him at the White House, even if just for a short time. Now, some people attribute the quote, if you want a friend in Washington, get a dog, to Truman, but there is no actual proof that he said it. There was some digging done into the matter, and the only thing that could be found to tie the president to the quote was actually from a work of fiction. In the 1975 play, Give Him Hell, Harry, Truman's character says, you want a friend in life, get a dog. However, most historians uh, would agree that the Trumans were actually not dog lovers. Oh boy. The Truman Library does not mince words when they say they preferred to be a pet-free family. All right, you just went down a few pegs in my book. Uh, <laughs> but as I said, there were two dogs uh, that did live with him during his presidency, even if they were short-lived. Now, about a month after Truman took office, the Postmaster General, Robert Hannigan, he gave the Truman's daughter, Margaret, an Irish setter puppy named Mike. But unfortunately, Mike developed rickets as a result of eating too many scraps being handed out at the White House. Boy, it's almost like this kind of went hand in hand with the feeding time segment, didn't it? <laughs> the Trumans gave Mike to a farmer in Virginia where they hoped that he would be more comfortable. The next dog was a Cocker Spaniel puppy named Feller that was gifted to the president from a supporter in his home state of Missouri. Truman actually gave the puppy away to his physician, and thousands of Americans wrote angry letters to the president protesting his decision. A few months after the dog was given away, a reporter asked, Mr. President, whatever happened to Feller? To which the president replied, to what? <laughs> Feller the puppy, the reporter responded, and Truman responded with, 
Oh, he's around. Mm, gosh, what a dog lover. Turns out the feller ended up on a farm in Ohio where he lived happily until he passed away of old age. Oh, thank goodness at least that one had a happy ending. Now, with some research, people have dug up the unfortunate truth that the president really, really didn't like dogs. Some even going as far to say that the president was angry with the dogs being in the White House, calling feller a dumb dog and that he needed to just get rid of it. Ugh. Oh. That's kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? I'm sorry, but I just, you know, I don't know, I don't know how much I I like people that don't like dogs. <laughs> I think all you feller dog feller, yeah, like there's this new <laughs> fellow dog lovers will agree with me out there. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Dina from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Dina says, my puppy will not leave me alone ever. It is constant attention, constant playtime, constant barking, constantly. <laughs> I've had her for two months and it never stops. Will she grow out of this? Will it ever end? Dina, I'm here to tell you it can end. <laughs> yes. Will she grow out of it? Eh, that remains to be seen. Uh, look, I, I, I would rather not rely on potentially waiting for a dog to grow out of a behavior. I would rather be proactive and deal with it. I uh, personally, I really think, it's not even personally, it's a matter of how conditioning works. Most of the time you let a dog practice a behavior and if they keep practicing the behavior, they're going to keep practicing. Now, yes, your dog may get a little more tired as they get older and not have quite have that puppy energy. And maybe that'll curb some of it, but it won't stop your dog from practicing these demanding behaviors and understanding that they get something out of it when they control you. See, this is how behaviors, I'll be honest guys, this is how behaviors start to morph. This could turn into nothing, but it also could very easily, just as easily turn into something after your dog grows up. These can morph into other behaviors and snowball into worse things because this is basically your puppy kind of acting out and your puppy saying, is anybody going to do anything about it? No, cool. I'm just going to keep going then. Hey, this is how I get attention. So, oh, even more so I'm going to keep, and your dog literally thinks like, this is how it's supposed to roll through life. You know what I mean? Uh, so you have to do something about it. You have to provide a boundary of something. You have to tell her, uh, her, uh, I've had her. Yes. Had her for two months. Sorry. <laughs> Remember her. Yeah, I had to read, uh, you know, you have to tell her no, and you have to provide a boundary. There's nothing wrong with using some touch corrections. There's nothing wrong with leaving your collar on the dog, and if you're using a martingale collar, um, you can use the martingale collar to make a correction. At the same time, we also wanna be proactive in our training. We wanna be proactive in making sure we're teaching our dogs some helpful commands. Uh, this is where that, that spot or place command, go to your place, go lie down, go lay on your dog bed, they can come in handy. They really can. And I'll be honest, there's nothing wrong with putting your dog in their crate for a little bit, a little bit of time while you're home. Uh, because if you need to sit on your couch and unwind because you've had a long day, you just took your dog for a big walk and they're still kind of bouncing off the wall. Yeah, some days puppies have more energetic days than others. And there's nothing wrong with crating your dog while you're home for a little while to maybe accomplish something you need to accomplish where you can't keep an eye on your puppy or you just need a little me time. There's nothing wrong with that. And on top of that, it teaches your dog to relax while you're home. Because that's kind of what I mean. If this is constant, you know, uh, what I'm hearing is that your dog literally like can't sit still. <laughs> so the crate will help them understand that just because you're home, it doesn't mean we have to constantly be doing something. We can relax 
and sleep. Look, guys, this is another, I'm not using the crate as a timeout or form of punishment here necessarily, but more as a means to try to teach the dog to relax and calm down, okay? Uh, and again, safety thing. If, she, if, if, if Dina wants to take a nap on her couch and she gets home from work after taking her dog for a nice walk and playing with them or whatever, she should be allowed to. She should be allowed to get some a twenty minute uh, you know nap and, uh, and before she's gotta uh, get up and deal with kids or or husband or spouse or whatever you know. So there's nothing wrong with creating these boundaries and rules for your puppy. You actually, as a matter of fact, you should be doing this. You know what I mean? Like whether your dog was crazy or not, these are rules and boundaries we can be putting in place to help create a well rounded dog, right? So. Will she grow out of it? Not necessarily. I'd rather be proactive and get on the training side of it to make sure these behaviors don't snowball into something worse. Next question. This comes from Willow from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Willow says, my dog jumps on people when they come in and I cannot get him to stop. I tried using treats. He will sit and stay, but then he'll take the treat and immediately goes back and jumps on my guests again. He will do this for the first 10 minutes or so, but then he'll settle down and won't jump on them again. How can I fix this? All right, well, the fact, well, the fact that your dog is jumping only at the greeting time and not at the other time, what that's telling us is your dog literally has created, it's a routine. Your dog thinks this is what they're supposed to do when people walk in. It's just a patterned routine. Makes it easier to fix, honestly. If your dog's not willing to jump at any other moment, but when people first come in, um, it's, it's more isolated, right? It's a more isolated behavior that we can attack uh, at, at, you know, at the front door and we don't have to deal with this in a thousand different places to teach your dog to not jump on people. So this can be a little bit easier to fix. Treats, you're on the right track. What I would recommend is it sounds like you're probably not leashing up your dog. That's I th that's what I think I'm hearing here uh, because he takes the treat and then runs right back to the person and jumps on them. That's where, we, that's, that's, you gotta fix that. Gotta leash up your dog when people come to the front door. Now, I would also recommend going back, listening to my front door segments. There's a few episodes, a uh, few segments, I think three now, maybe two, and there's at least two. Front door, front door, two, front door 2.0. Uh, and I think I did another one, it was knock, knock, who's there? It's your barking dog. Uh, that might be the front, uh, maybe that's not the front door one. <laughs> I just liked the title of that one. Anyway, point is, Go back and listen to how to properly create control at the front door because that's going to be a part of it. I, I, I wish I could give you this in a nutshell, but gaining control at the front door in general, even if there's no jumping, it's, it's a task. It's going to take some time and there's quite a few moving pieces to it. Um, quite, a, quite a bit of time. Look, you can do this stuff pretty fast if you commit, I'll be honest. Uh, that's the truth to everybody. If you commit to this stuff and you train three, four, five sessions a day with your dog, even just a couple minutes, you'll be shocked how quickly you can gain results. Okay. So I would do the front door exercise with your dog. I would make sure you're leashing up your dog, continuing to use the treats, but try not to use them as a bribe or a distraction. And instead only use the treats to reinforce when your dog actually truly calms down and relaxes. Another thing I'll say, if you are getting them to sit and stay, Try to extend the sit and stay, not just sit, stay, an immediate treat. How about a sit and a stay? Stay, good boy, stay. Continue that, try to build 10 seconds onto that, then 20, 30, a minute, and that's how you can get your dog to calm down too, redirecting that overexcited energy and simmering it down a bit, okay? Just providing a sit and stay and creating focus can really bring your dog's energy level down. So uh, there's, there's a lot of pieces to this, but like I said, go check out the segments on the front door, make sure you're leashing up your dog, and very important, make sure you're only reinforcing and giving treats when your dog is calm and relaxed and focused. <laughs>
That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, join me next week for that 100th episode. It is going to be awesome. If you love what you're hearing, click that five-star review. Follow me on Instagram. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog. Oh,